0: Good morning and welcome to the Rules Committee of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors for today, Monday, October 3rd, 2022. I am the chair of the committee, Aaron Peskin, joined by Vice Chair Supervisor Rafael Mandelman and committee member Supervisor Connie Chan. Our clerk is Mr. Victor Young. And before we start, I just would like to wish Supervisor Chan a very happy
1: birthday with that. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcements? Uh, Yes, the Board of Supervisors and its committee are now now convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment, while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. The Board recognizes that equitable public access is essential and will be taking public comment as follows. First, public comment will be taken on each item on this agenda. Those attending in person will be allowed to speak first, and then we will take uh, comment from those who are waiting on the telephone line. For those watching either channel 26, 28, 78, or 99 and sfgovtv.org, the public comment call-in number is streaming across the screen. The number is 415-655-0001, then enter the meeting ID of 2490-941-5945, then press pound and pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak, and those on the telephone line should dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you are on the telephone, please remember to turn down your television and all listening devices you may be using. As already indicated, you will be, we will take public comment from those attending in person first, then we will go to public comment telephone line. Alternatively, you may submit public comment via in writing either of the following ways, email them to myself, the Rules Committee Clerk, at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and included as part of the file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Mail to City Hall, 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodley Place, room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. That completes my initial comments.
0: Thank you, Mr. Young. Could you please read the first item?
1: Yes. Item number one is a motion approving rejecting the mayor's nomination for the appointment of Kate Stacy to the Public Utilities Commission for a term ending August first, two thousand twenty-six. Thank you, Mr. Young.
0: Colleagues, um, before us is somebody who I think is known to every member of this panel: former Deputy City Attorney Kate Stacy, who served. Uh, with distinction in the city attorney's office for quite some time. Um, and we know from uh, our work with the land use team over many years, uh, in my case, since the year 2001, uh, I had the opportunity to meet with uh, Ms. Stacy, and perhaps you did as well, colleagues, um, uh, my Before we hear from her, I'll tell you my bias, which is I think that this is a good nomination by the mayor for the Public Utilities Commission to seat number four, uh, formerly held by a general manager of the PUC, Anson Moran, um, and just by way of reminding us, seat number four has to be a member with expertise in water systems, power systems, or public utility management, uh, and i believe that ms stacy's experience with the environmental documents uh, commonly known as CEQA, as it relates to the water system improvement project uh, qualify her in that regard Um, and with that uh, if there are no initial comments or questions i would like to invite ms stacy up to make a statement good morning ms stacy
2: Good morning Chair Peskin, Supervisor Chan, and Supervisor Mandelman, thank you so much. Thank you to the Mayor for my nomination and to this Rules Committee for considering it. As Chair Peskin just mentioned, I've worked for the City for over 30 years and retired just about a year ago this month, and my past work for the City and for the PUC in particular makes this Commission position very compelling to me. I have a particular concern about climate change. And climate change is changing our world so quickly and so potentially disastrously. And it affects all the programs that the PUC manages water, wastewater, and energy. The city both has to react to the effects of climate change, but also works to anticipate, address, and mitigate the effects of climate change. It's our critical obligation to each other and to future generations. First of all, with respect to the water program, our supply picture is changing for a variety of reasons, and we need to respond to these changes and proactively care for our watershed areas. We need to conserve, use, and reuse our water carefully and wisely and work to protect the rapidly changing environments in which we find ourselves and our water system. I've seen such creative work on the water system already while working on the water system improvement program as the chair mentioned. I saw the scientists, activists, planners, and engineers study and improve releases from Hetch Hetchy on behalf of the fish, the frogs, Pupino Meadow, and the kayakers on the Tuolumne River. It was a lot of needs and users to accommodate, and it was an impressive and collaborative effort. And I know we are going to need those kinds of creative and collaborative efforts in the future, and I look forward to being a part of that. With respect to wastewater, the bay is constantly evolving. We know this. The temperatures and water conditions are changing, and we need to continuously evaluate how we can improve our wastewater system to respond to these changes, and again, improve the environment of the bay, the city, and our neighborhoods. There's plenty of work ahead. Finally, with respect to energy, what a difference we know clean energy can make. We must be persistent and unyielding in our efforts to provide cleaner, cheaper energy for all users. Watching the operators at Moccasin manage the water flow through the Priest Reservoir penstocks was a real marvel, and it provides clean hydro energy for many San Francisco and Bay Area users. We will do more, and we will be persistent in making that happen. The city has never shied away from taking a leadership position on important issues. I saw that so many times in my work for the city. The PUC has been and will continue to be a part of it. I would be honored to contribute to that effort. Thank you so much for considering my nomination.
0: Thank you, Ms. Stacy. Very much appreciate your words and your policy sentiments, which I think we all share. Are there any questions or comments? Supervisor Chan.
3: Thank you, Chair Peskin. I just really want to thank um, Ms. Stacy for your commitment to the city and not just for your work uh, as our deputy city attorney, but now uh, willing to continue to serve and put your hat in the ring. I have said that in our previous rules committee that uh, already that I will be in support of your appointments and really glad to see you here today. Thank you.
0: And it should be fun being your former boss's boss. Uh, with that, are there any members of the public who would like to speak to item number one on today's calendar?
1: Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up at this time. For those listening remotely, uh, please call uh, excuse me, 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of two four nine zero nine four one five nine four nine then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comments. I do not see anybody in line to speak at this time. We have one person on the telephone line for public comment.
0: First speaker, please.
4: Can you hear me okay?
1: Uh, Please proceed.
4: Great. David Pilpel, good morning. So, as was indicated, seat four, uh, quote, shall be a member with expertise in water systems, power systems, or public utility management, end quote. Kate Stacy is a retired deputy city attorney with land use and CEQA expertise, but not public utility management expertise, in my opinion. This seat has been held by a retired PUC employee, and there are many of those to choose from, like Cheryl Davis, Larry Klein, Marla Jerosic Don Laramendi, and Karen Kubik, among many, many others. I would have reappointed Andy Moran, who has a wealth of expertise. San Francisco and the region are both diminished by the end of his PUC service. Nine months ago, the PUC commission had both Andy Moran and Ed Harrington on it. Now we have neither with a new general manager who lacks any utility expertise. This rules committee could reject this nominee and seek to have the mayor appoint a qualified person to this seat. Ms. Stacey is certainly qualified for other appointments, but not this one, in my opinion and thank you for hearing my comments.
0: Are there any additional speakers on this item number
1: one? Uh, That was our uh, only caller on this matter. All right.
0: Public comment is closed. And when Mr. Pilpel becomes mayor, he can nominate whoever he chooses, but I find that relative to the qualification, which qualification was actually created by this supervisor, in Proposition E of whatever year it was, 2007 or 8, I think I rewrote the qualifications for the members of the PUC commission and subjected all of them to ratification by the Board of Supervisors and the voters voted for that. Uh, I find that Ms. Stacey does indeed have expertise in water systems. And to that end, I will make a motion to amend the subject motion by removing in the title the word rejecting at line three, and removing in the moved clause at line fourteen the word with, the word rejects on that motion. A roll call, please.
1: Uh, yes, on the motion to amend the the motion, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, I. Vice-Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection.
0: And then I will make a motion to send the item as amended with recommendation to the full board of supervisors for hearing on October 18th.
1: Yes, on the motion to recommend the amended motion. Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice-Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. The motion passes without objection. And Ms. Stacy, it would appear that if the board follows our recommendation,
0: you can serve at the October 25th meeting of the PUC commission, assuming the mayor swears you in between the 18th and the 25th. Thank you. Next item, please.
1: Yes, next on the agenda is item number two, motion approving rejecting the president of the Board of Super- Supervisors, Shimon Walton's nomination, of Jessica Campos Residency Requirement Waive for appointment to the Child Care Planning and Advisory Council term ending March 19, 2024.
0: Thank you. Is Jessica Campos available? Good morning.
5: Good morning, Chair Peskin, Supervisor Amendment and Chair. Uh, Supervisor Chen, my name is Jessica Campos. I currently um, am working in the Office of Racial Equity as a community engagement lead. Prior to my role, I was the center manager for Yu Children's Services Head Start, Early Head Start program in the Bayview area, which is um, one of the primary Head Start providers in San Francisco. Um, I am here to talk a little bit about the role as in the CPAC. Not only in my role of Office of Racial Equity, do we push for equity in all areas, but with my previous experience with Early Head Start and Head Start and the importance of providing a holistic approach for our families, um, providing support for our parents, our children, but also ensuring the equitable support for our teachers um, in our field, I am honored and accept the nomination if you have me. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Ms. Campos. Uh, You are clearly qualified. Uh, I don't see any questions or comments from committee members. Are there any members of the public who would like to testify on this presidential appointment?
1: Yes, members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item and are joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID at 2490-941-5949, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comments. I do not see anybody in the room in line to speak, and we have no callers on the line for public comment on this matter.
0: All right, public comment is closed. And I will make a motion noting that a residency waiver is required to remove the word rejecting from the long title at line three and remove the word reject at line 15 and send this item as amended to the full board with a positive recommendation for hearing on October 18th on that multifaceted motion. A roll call, please.
1: Yes, and a motion to uh uh, on the motion to amend the motion and recommend it supervisor chan aye. chan aye vice chair mandelman mandelman aye chair peskin aye peskin aye the motion passes without objection thank you next item please yes next on the agenda is item number three in ordinance approving surveillance technology policies governing the use of uh, surveillance technology policies for multiple city departments. Uh, Excuse me, uh, I will come and get the items if you don't mind staying on the other side. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Young. And
0: while you are collecting those, I will make some opening comments. One, uh, colleagues, as you will remember, uh, about three years ago in 2019, the Board of Supervisors, uh, enacted Section 19B of the Administrative Code, which requires board review and approval of surveillance technology policies. This is the next wave of those. They were now up to about 50 of 100 such uh, policies. I want to thank the respective departments um, and the Committee on Information Technology for their work in vetting these Putting them, putting them together. Uh, I actually enjoyed reading them because um, it reminded me what the fundamental purpose of 19B was, which was transparency for the public, uh, for decision makers, and most importantly, to remind the departments that utilize them what they're doing and to remind them that they need to have retention policies and access policies. So the exercise itself is is half if not more of um, the battle. Uh, I waded through all of them this weekend, um, answered some of the questions I initially had by doing more reading. I still have a number of questions, but with that uh, let me thank and welcome Ms. Gillian Johnson from uh, the uh, Office of the City Administrator and the Director of the Committee of Information Technology. Good morning.
6: Good morning. Uh, thank you for the introduction, Chair Peskin, and uh, good morning, Supervisors Mandelman and Chen. Um, so, I'm the director of the Committee on Information Technology, or at least the admin staff that support the committee. My name is Jillian Johnson. I'm here to give you an overview of COIT and its role in helping to develop the surveillance technology policies under Section 19B of the um, admin code. So just as an overview, uh, COIT is the city and county of San Francisco's technology governance body. Uh, Many folks sit on this committee, including a seat from the mayor's office, uh, president of a board, dozens of department heads and chief information officers across the city, as well as two public members. Um, And COIT's structure is intended to provide a forum for city leadership to coordinate and collaborate. Um, Through regular public meetings, COIT is uh, also a vehicle to share with residents uh, the state of technology in the city. Just as a quick overview of our main responsibilities, uh, we developed a five-year technology plan, um, develop annual budget recommendations for the mayor and for the board, uh, run portfolio management of major IT projects in the city, and what we're here for today, uh, we help develop technology, technology policies. So with regards to Section 19B, um, our duties, you can go to the next slide, Julia. Uh, Our duties, uh, or COIT's duties, are to maintain the surveillance uh, surveillance inventory, which is available at the link provided. Um, The surveillance uh, inventory is a listing of all known surveillance tech in the city, as uh, was in use before 19B and continues to be in use, as well as any uh, new surveillance technology that departments would like to procure um, that they have developed a policy for. Um, uh, we work with departments to develop impact reports and uh, surveillance technology policies as defined by 19B, uh, conduct public hearings on those documents, and recommend actions to the Board of Supervisors on drafted policies, as well as collect and post annual surveillance reports. Um, and those annual surveillance reports uh, check for any potential changes um, that departments seek, or potential changes to the policies that they've put forth uh, and use and changes in how they use their surveillance technology policy uh, as well as uh, annually check on how effective that technology has been in achieving its intended goals so, uh, one of the things that we use to help develop these policies and really the first step for departments is the surveillance toolkit Um, as the image there on the right uh, departments start the process by developing their policies and impact reports through filling out this toolkit which provides a robust impact assessment of Uh, Each surveillance technology policy helps us streamline submission of all ordinance requirements um, and it helps inform uh, the impact report especially but also the policy help inform the Board of Supervisors as they assess whether a surveillance technology, uh, the benefits of that technology outweigh the costs. Speaking of benefits and costs, um, this uh, toolkit also helps departments to consider the potential privacy impacts of their technologies and ways of mitigating those impacts. So as you'll see here, um, there's a NIST privacy framework that really helps inform departments on the various ways that technology might have an impact on the public, including dignity loss, discrimination, economic loss, loss of autonomy, loss of liberty, physical harm, and loss of trust. Um, and uh, they also, the toolkit also helps them consider various ways to mitigate that, mitigate that impact. So that may be administrative, technical, or physical. COIT also created an advisory board that works with departments to strengthen their policies and impact reports. Um, There's a privacy and surveillance advisory board that holds two uh, meetings a month on the second and fourth Friday of each month um, to help departments strengthen their policies and impact reports. That membership has included in the past uh, folks from the CISO of the city, um, uh, or actually currently the CISO is the chair of that body, um, as well as folks from the controller's office, OCA, juvenile probation previously on this body, uh, Data SF, uh, the airport, um, I sit on the body, as well as uh, a public member from COIT. And then just a quick overview of the review process. So uh, surveillance technology policies and impact reports uh, start off being developed uh, with uh, through the toolkit um, with the support of COIT staff. Then uh, it goes before PSAB for their review and strengthening of those policies. Sometimes policies are heard for one to three meetings um, before they go to COIT for their review and approval. Uh, Following COIT's approval, the city attorney reviews to submit to the Board of Supervisors. We also submit a copy to the mayor's office. Uh, The Board of Supervisors, the step we are at today is the Board of Supervisors reviews for approval and then after the Board of Supervisors approve, there's an annual surveillance report. Um, Here is a snapshot of the inventory as it stands today. Uh, So there are a total of 171 identified surveillance technologies across the city, um, and we have currently 36 of those uh, technologies that have received board and mayor approval before today. Um, Today, you'll be hearing about, or you'll be reviewing, or have reviewed, hopefully, (laughs) 13 uh, quite recommended policies. And the next slide identifies those 13. Um, across the airport, fire, juvenile probation, public library, MTA, rec park, elections, and war memorial. Um, there's a list of all of the technology policies that you have before you, as well as the various approval dates that um, quite approve them for your review. Um, we have representatives from each of these departments here today, both in person and virtually, to answer any questions you might have about those documents. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Ms. Johnson. Um, very much, again, appreciate your work in that high-level presentation. Um, can you explain the classification levels to this committee?
6: Sorry, what is, the classification levels?
0: Throughout various policies, there are reference, references to different classification levels, classification level two, classification level three. Can you explain that schema to us?
6: I'm not sure that I can. I'm going to refer to my privacy analyst.
2: Hello. Um, The classification, pardon me, oh, my name. My name is Julia Crucial. I'm the privacy analyst at the Committee on Information Technology. And the classification levels are related to the level of uh, basically privacy related to that material. One is public information, and five is the most. Uh, sensitive data, so perhaps like health information or or something like that. Everything in between is uh, like a different steps of of the sensitivity of of the data that is being kept.
0: And the definitions are ours. They where do we get those classification levels from?
2: I believe that the classification level
6: is from the from NIST. I, I believe uh, data SF helps inform those classifications as well.
0: Okay, if they're at your leisure, if there is some set of definitions that you can provide the supervisor or the rules committee uh, for inclusion in the file, I wasn't, I didn't see that, so that would be yes, helpful. Yes,
6: it is posted on the SF website. We'll, we'll forward to you. Great,
0: sure. thanks so much. Um, with that, colleagues, it would be my proposal just to go through these in the order that my staff gave them to me um starting with the airport's tenant security cameras and i don't know if there are any opening questions or comments from members of the rules committee if not um should i address these to you and then if there's somebody from the department or however yes uh, i
6: will likely pass to the department but you can address them to me
0: (laughs) great so the um uh, as to the airport's tenant security camera technology policy, um, the question, I I had a couple of questions because these all seem to be based on Rule 7.0, uh, and I'm sure this is actually going to be a very airport. Is there somebody here from the airport?
6: <laughs> there are a few people from the airport. Come on up. <laughs>
0: And I will say we just spent a number of meetings dealing with a 19 b policy as it related to the police, um, which has now been approved by the full board of supervisors that um, was controversial to say the least, particularly as it related, it was a third party uh, surveillance camera policy And um, interestingly enough, the pulling of historic footage was not the controversial part. It was the live monitoring that was the controversial part. So my questions are really about that. Um, And uh, in Rule 7.0, which is airport security, I assume all of your tenants in their leases have to adhere by reference in the lease to the airport rules. Is that the connection?
7: Uh, that's correct, yes. Um, and again, my apologies. My name is Gabo Kamola and I'm from the airport uh, security services. And yeah, so every lease or agreement, there's several kinds of those, but in every one of those, they do have a stipulation in there that requires them to comply with all rules, regulations, and city ordinances um, as part of the agreements with the airport. Got it. So the, Policy only deals
0: with pulling of historic footage and seems fine, but the Rule 7.0 also has a provision in subsection B that speaks to real-time access to all footage is available to the Aviation Security Unit at all times, which to me sounds like the airport can live
8: monitor
7: More like live review, Um, that is uh, reflected also in uh, the policies is the access is usually for response to incidents. Um, Should there be an incident and there is benefit to reviewing real time, then we should be able to do that. And that really most of the time relies to the regulatory components of it. Um, Should there be loss of controlled um, items as uh, regulated by the TSA, those are some of the usages under Rule 7 that are covered for that, where if something, would affect airport security, we should be able to go in and uh, in collaboration with the uh, respective tenant, be able to review that and see if um, that will help the investigation. I I don't
0: see where in the policy, don't get me wrong, live monitoring in exigent circumstances has never, has always been in 19B, but I don't see, can you direct me to where in the policy it deals with live monitoring outside of exigent circumstances?
7: Uh, Again, the the Rule 7 portion of it that we reference um, just covers that to ensure should that occur, we will be able to do that. In the policy, we reference that we'll only review in response to incidents. And that's for normal usage will be for in response to incidents where we have an opportunity to review past uh, camera footage. So... I'm not seeing
0: that in the policy itself. I see it in the rule, but it's not addressed in the policy. So, I mean, let's just deal with the policy. The policy is very clear. Authorized uses, and it says prohibited use cases include any uses not stated. So it lists two authorized uses. Reviewing camera footage in the event of an incident, and it says approving tenant's disclosure of digital recordings and other data from its security camera system which I read but maybe you read differently as
7: historic footage. That is correct that is the intention for for the use of that and again back to the point of the rule seven really covers for those instances where we actually have the exigent need to review that that, that document or instrument that's appropriate for that however for everyday use and for our intended use of the policy that will all be historic footage that is stored and shared with the opportunity arise. So for the policy itself we don't have to do live.
0: Ms. Johnson, far be it for me after this has been to PSAB and COIT, but I think what I just put my finger on isn't really dealt with in the policy. It doesn't I mean, if it said live monitoring is for exigent circumstances only, but it doesn't actually i don't even see the exigency provision
6: well i'm i I don't completely understand how these policies interact with the, the admin code, but I would assume that the admin code section on ex- exigency would override policies
0: absolutely um, <clears throat> it might and mr uh, Pradhan, I don't know. The way this works is we can direct you by ordinance, but we are not prepared because I did not draft to actually include a provision. So maybe what I will suggest as to this policy is that I work with council continue this a week, find some language that we can insert that makes it clear that your 7.0 sub-B rule is only in exigent circumstances, because it seems I would like to make that clear. Um, Unless, now that we've had this conversation, you want to be able to use it in less than exigent circumstances, in which place we have a week to talk about it.
7: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. The thing is, Rule 7, again, precedes the document, and that may be a point that we we had missed. But, uh, yeah, we'll be happy to take the recommendation.
0: Okay, the next thing I was going to bring up is that as to internal data sharing, uh, which is an interesting one for you because our airport is in a different county. And so what you have here is internal data sharing, which means amongst city agencies, you list the district attorney. But anything that happens at San Francisco International Airport actually involves the district attorney of San Mateo County. So if somebody does something that requires prosecution, I believe that is prosecuted not by our district attorney, but by their district attorney.
7: I believe that would be accurate.
0: So I don't think that, but I mean, there may be reasons that you want to do internal data sharing with our district attorney. I don't know what those would be because they have no jurisdiction over San Mateo County.
7: I think we listed it to cover uh, our city attorneys, um, who support us in all the The city attorneys are, are separately listed.
0: Um, so I have a question as to whether or not you really want to list our district attorney. Uh, certainly you would want to list our police. Certainly you would want to list our city attorney. Certainly, uh, well, I don't know if you want to list our sheriff either. Does the sheriff have any resources at SFO? Uh,
7: no, and I think uh, it goes back to, again, uh, the, p- perhaps what would have been on our side. We consider these resources to be internal whereas they could, uh, to your point, not be considered internal. We do have the San Mateo County sheriffs that are at the airport who support our San Francisco Police Department investigation-wise.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Um, So we can discuss this in the intervening week as well. Um, As to external data sharing, and the airport is a unique creature as it relates to TSA and the federal government, but. There is this very broad other law enforcement agencies, and I think there is probably worth an offline discussion in the intervening week as to what that means as to federal agencies. Yeah, um,
7: I'd be happy to take that one. Um, on
0: and uh, in some of the other policies, the public defender, which again would be the public defender of San Mateo County, not ours, uh, is listed, but it's not listed in this one. Um, So those are, I think that's the totality of the questions I have for the airport surveillance technology policy. It otherwise looks really good. So we'll continue that one if it's okay with you colleagues. Um, I have no questions about the impact report associated with that one. And that would move us on to the fire department's body-worn camera policy, which sounds like it is a body-worn camera that is only utilized by one or two people for educational purposes, like that great video that I showed of your ocean rescue, uh, and that's all it's limited to.
9: Good morning, Supervisors. Mark Corso, Finance and Planning. Yes, uh, so currently that is held by our uh, PIO officer. Uh, We do have other body cams, but they are used by our training division on our own employees, which is, you know, not part of this legislation, but yes, you are correct.
0: So, but it referred to two, so it says, this is de minimis stuff, but it says under authorized use, used by public information officer, as in one person but elsewhere it refers to two people. It's a minor detail, but should it say public information officers, plural?
9: Correct, yes, so we were referring to the position rather than the individual, but yes. And then there is another individual listed in there, an IT position that assists on the the data uh, side of it. Is that what you're referring to?
0: Well, that's a good question. Where did I see that?
9: There's a 1070 project.
0: uh, That's somebody who has access, right? That was an access issue.
9: Correct, not a usage.
0: Somewhere in here.
6: Page 3, if you're looking for the access.
0: Page 3 of the policy or the report?
6: Of the policy. Under access says department employees and H-20 lieutenant and a 1070 ICE project manager.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once collected. So the only person who collects it is the PIO. Correct. All right. Any questions or comments? Thank you, Mr. Thank Corso. you very much. Yeah. Uh, that takes us to juvenile probation department, scram technologies, plural, which was fascinating, actually. And I have no questions unless my <laughs> colleagues do. <laughs> uh, do you have? Do you want to tell us something? You can tell us something. It was, per, it was, it was really interesting. I think it's interesting that, I mean, I'm glad to know this technology exists, and I'm glad to know that you're using it responsibly, and I like the policy. That was simple. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh huh. Well <laughs> <laughs> oh, Supervisor Chan.
3: Thank you. I I think just for the for general public, uh, because you know we we talk about biometrics. Could you just for the record, talk about exactly what they are, and, and especially we're using the acronym like Scram CAM. so it would be great just for my education and for the public, thank yes, you. Yes,
10: I'm very happy to do so. I also have Supervising Probation Officer Mila Baranoff on teams in case we get too technical. So um, both of these devices are FCC certified devices um, that only get applied with a court order. Um, The more frequently used device is what we call internally an electronic monitor, but it's a GPS monitor that at least once per minute um, tracks the geolocation of the wearer and sends that through the cellular network to a central computer um, where uh, juvenile probation officers can access that information. And then the alcohol monitor is called a continuous alcohol monitor. That's what the CAM is. Um, And that uh, takes little samples of the user's Perspiration once every 30 minutes and tests them for alcohol and also transmits the information through the same means as the GPS monitor through a centralized computer where again we access it. And those are used very rarely, um, again, only with court order. I would say on average we have roughly 10 young people placed on GPS monitoring by the court uh, at any given time at this time.
0: Thank you and thanks for that question, Supervisor Chan. Why don't we move on to the public library that has a couple of uh, policies, computer management and the SenseSource patron counter system, um, which I note does not record or store any video images, but merely does counts of where people are at for Uh, statistical purposes and that information is retained indefinitely interesting read but I have no questions or comments on that unless my colleagues do and I didn't mention the social media monitoring software uh, for which I also let me just double triple check had no questions that is true uh, any questions or comments from my colleagues? All right. Oh, Supervisor Chan, my apologies.
3: No, I, I just actually want to appreciate the system. I, I do think that you know, uh, giving just uh, the wide range of populations uh, in 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 our uh, public libraries, from kids to you know grown-ups, and just. Um, especially sharing computers, <laughs> I, and, and I, I actually just want to express my um, appreciation for setting the rules and policies uh, for for our public libraries um, and just for public records. You know, I also uh, while I, I, I do have some questions about you know patron counters, counters, um, but I, I do appreciate the social media monitoring computer manage, management system. Um, for those, uh, and uh, just quick question, and and I may not have this, uh, just wanted to quickly understand for for all those three, um, how do the public have access uh, to the data, or if, if they do, or the records of it?
9: good morning my name is Randy McClure chief analytics officer at the library the question was I just want to make sure it's clear for, for me to answer how does the public have access to the data yes so the aggregate. are we talking about the the sense source people counters data mm-hmm. yeah Like the
3: patron- yeah, right patron count
9: so those are um, aggregated uh, we, we count our visitors at all of our locations 28 locations throughout the city and then we um, we publish those internally to the library so that we can keep track of, certainly in times like COVID, are we up, are we down? What's the percentage increase or decrease over uh, seasons and so forth? And the public can request that data, certainly. It's, it's level one data, it's not sensitive at all because it's just simply numbers of visits. The other thing we do is the city requires us through the controller's office to publish performance measures. So we do publish that twice a year on a city scorecard in addition to um, an annual report. And then we also publish um, uh, this information, again, aggregated data to the state, California State Library, as well as various national organizations related to library services, such as the American Library Association and the Public Library Association. So it ends up out there in a lot of different ways, but again, no sensitive data is, is uh, involved at all. Thank you. Sure.
3: Thank you, Chair Peskin.
0: All right, I think that takes us on to the Department of Election security cameras, which was interesting. Good morning, Mr. Arntz. Good morning. Um, I had a couple of questions. Uh, I absolutely appreciate the fact that members of the public can actually watch the various aspects of the election um, live. Uh, it, I think, instills trust in the process. Um, uh, but I was a little confused about the retention policies, where it looks like on page four, the things are automatically deleted 10 days after the recording is made. And then under the data retention policy, it says that it will be stored for a minimum of one year. Can you help me reconcile that? I couldn't, maybe I'm, what am I missing?
4: I don't have the answer for that.
0: And then the other thing I was going to mention is insofar as I think during the elections, you are using these things 24-7, but outside of the election, you are not. Correct. So I think where it says under data quality on page 2 that the cameras run 24-7, 365, I don't think that's accurate. That's correct. So why don't we clean up those two things in the intervening week? And, Ms. Johnson, I, I think the way this works is procedurally either you guys change the policy or alternatively the board can by ordinance change the policy either way is fine I mean the substance of the policy is great once we figure out the 10-day one-year discrepancy um, but either you can fix it or we can fix it and we can figure that out in the intervening week
6: sounds like a plan
0: excellent thank you mr.
9: Ernst yes sir one comment So we no longer, uh, we've canceled the the subscriptions to retain any recordings. Uh, so probably around half the cameras right now, the connection with Google, there is no recording. And then by the end of this year, all the recordings will have expired. So none of the cameras that we have will be recording and retaining any sort of action from the, from the streaming. So everything we have will just be strictly streaming.
0: Okay, so maybe we want to address that in the policy.
6: Yeah, thank you.
9: Keep doing what
0: you're doing. Any election I win (laughs) is a good one.
9: Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.
0: Uh, That takes us to Rec and Park and the Body Worn Camera Policy and Impact Report. And I had a few questions here. Um, in, I guess, just the order that I scribbled my notes. Under data security, uh, there was something that I was a little concerned about, which is it says access is limited only to the chief park ranger, but then adds the words or designee. And or designee is a big wide loophole that you could drive a truck through. So if the chief park ranger designates anybody, so I mean that designee status has to be prescribed. It has to be another sworn officer or something, but it can't be open-ended or designee, because then when I'm going, like, how did you know, the how did this other party who should have no access have access, and oh, we adhere to our policy, uh-uh, so we got to fix that. Um, the next uh, under data sharing um, Under external data sharing, the internal stuff all looked fine. Police, sheriff, city, attorney, district, attorney, and public defender makes sense. Under the external, it didn't really make me comfortable insofar as it did not incorporate prohibitions on potentially sharing camera footage with ice. Uh, or similar organizations, so I think that needs some work. Under data retention period, um, it says body-worn camera recordings will be stored for a minimum of one year. That doesn't make me comfortable. I would be comfortable if it was a maximum of one year. Uh, the notion under data retention is limitation. This is an expansive, not limiting concept, so I think that needs some work. Um And then on page four, the data retention policy, where is it uh, wait a minute... Oh, actually going back to access. Um, it says, As to department employees, it says Chief Park Rangers and Lieutenant Park Ranger. I thought there's only one Chief Park Ranger and that there are multiple Lieutenant Park Rangers. Is that true or not true?
11: Um, Good morning, my name is Christine Nath. I'm a CIO at San Francisco Recreation Park. Yes, that's a typo. There's only one Chief Park Ranger. Um, That's David Murphy. And then the designee, I wanted to clarify, was actually going to be the Lieutenant uh, Park Ranger. So I can make that change as Perfect.
0: well. Perfect. We can, that, that would work. So if it says, uh, I mean, if it says chief park ranger or lieutenant park mm-hmm. ranger, are there, is there only one lieutenant park ranger?
11: There's only one lieutenant park ranger, yes. It'll okay. be a total so of two people.
0: I guess at yep. the top of page four, it's chief park ranger singular. Mm-hmm. Um, and then under data retention, we talked about the minimum. And then there seemed to be some inconsistency uh, under data disposal it says that you delete this is in the middle of the page practices mm-hmm. evidence dot com auto deletes after one year. but then on page six, it says minimum of one year, so you need to reconcile those I mean. If the data retention policy is stored and deleted after one year, then that's what it is, and then they're consistent. See what I'm saying?
11: Yeah, no, just to clarify, um, so evidence.com does uh, store it for one year, but I think for our standard purposes, data is retained for that
6: one year, but if there is an investigation, we keep it open until closure.
0: Got it. So
6: I think at the top of page 7, there's a reference to that. It could be clearer, though.
0: Okay, I think I got you. It makes perfect sense. We have agreed in all circumstances that for an active investigation, you can continue to store. I think it could be a little clearer here. That Those are my comments for that, and maybe we can hold that into the one-week-later pile. Uh, and that takes us to... Oh, that takes us to... Um, and this... I didn't see this in the policy, but then the impact report made this jump out, which is on page two of the impact report, um, Axon, the following is a product description of body-worn cameras, and not not to sound snotty, but it sounds like this was lifted from an advertisement from Axon because it says, Axon's Body 3 isn't just a camera, it's a rugged communications beacon front and center on every call, featuring enhanced low-light performance, reduction motion blur, and an LTE connection that enables real-time features like live streaming. Body 3 empowers officers with more support in the moment. Um, So regardless of where that came from, uh, that tells me that these things are capable of live monitoring, live streaming equals live monitoring. So this, in addition to sounding like an advertisement that could actually be put into kind of like, what does it really do, English, um, raises the issue of live monitoring, which is there needs to be something that says either you do it or you don't do it. And I'm assuming that you don't do it, but now that you tell us the technology is capable of doing it, the policy has to say that you're not doing it unless you are doing it, in which case the policy has to address it.
11: Understood. Yes, we are not live streaming, and I'll be, make it very clear in the use cases that we are not live streaming.
0: All right, you might want to redo that little phrase in the impact report mm-hmm. that says it's capable of live streaming, but we don't utilize that function. That takes us to tennis reservations applicant. Oh, I'm sorry, Supervisor Chan, my apologies.
3: No problem. Thank you, uh, Chair Preskin. I, I just wanted to drill down a little bit about outside law enforcement, like sharing data through outside law enforcement. Like, um, where are we landing on that? Should you come- You're coming back next week, but how are we quote-unquote, cleaning that up. Um, I am fine with the specific of police, sheriff, city attorney, district attorney, uh, identifying to be the San Francisco uh, agencies, but when you say outside law enforcement, I'm not too sure exactly who that would be. Is it U.S. Park Police, which they are actually within our functioning and roaming in our jurisdiction, so, I, or are we just gonna say no outside law enforcement?
11: That's a great question. I'm gonna pass that one to Chief Murphy.
0: Yeah, and by the way, I will make one suggestion which I am lifting from another policy, um, which is as to sharing with outside law enforcement. Uh, other policies say only with a warrant.
3: Yep.
10: Uh, morning, Chief.
1: Chief David Murphy, uh, good morning, uh, Chair Peskin. Uh, Supervisor Chan, Supervisor Middleman. Uh, we, do, we do work hand-in-hand with our partners at U.S. Park Police. Uh, we actually have the wall park that is inside the Presidio. Uh, it also has uh, the uh, uh, Palace of Fine Arch, which borders the Presidio as well as the Marina does. So we do work with those, and if uh, you want, if we should put in, it's the best practice to have a warrant required for body cam footage. Uh, I think we can do that uh, very
9: easily uh, going forward. I'm not
0: telling you what to do. I'm just telling you to address it one way or the other, but that certainly was dealt with in other similar policies, so that's one option for you, um, but it needs to be addressed in some way.
1: Appreciate that, yes. Um,
0: thank you. All right. Uh, thank you for that, Supervisor Chan, and maybe as we go on to the next policy, maybe you're the best person as a former Rec and Park Uh, Stafford to ask you this one which is the tennis reservation application Um, and this is much more pedestrian than law enforcement stuff (laughs) raised a series of concerns with me uh, for a number of reasons. One is that it sounded to me like in order to get a tennis reservation I had to go get a third party app Are there ways that if I am not an app person, I can get a reservation? This is kind of a different, I'm not getting to the surveillance part yet. That's next.
11: Yeah, so to clarify, we have 150 uh, tennis courts throughout the city and only 80 of them can be booked online. So there are uh, 70 that cannot be booked um, online that are really designated for walk-ups only. We'll also be looking at uh, rolling out a call-in option for reservations. I'm sorry, say that again? A call-in option for reservations as well.
0: And that exists?
11: Uh, We will be rolling that out in the future.
0: Got it. So if I don't do apps or I don't have that technology or access there to, I can get half the city's courts but not the other half at Uh, this time, but I will be able to call in. Yes, yes. Okay. Is there... Well, how do I do this? Uh, Can we develop our own software so we don't have to use a third-party software? Can we develop our own app? Here's why I'm asking. Because when you attach, and thank you for attaching it, the Spottery, which is the app that you're using and that anybody who wants a reservation at those Mm -hmm. 80 courts has to use, their privacy policy sucks. I mean, basically what this says is if i want to reserve a tennis court and i'm not even dealing with the fact that at some point somebody gets to see where i'm standing which is part of this and that raises some concerns but i understand that that is important because you need to know that the person is actually at the tennis court mm-hmm. using the reservation so i get i get that it doesn't make me doesn't throw me but what is really not okay is that their terms say that they can mine your friends list, your profile information, they can buy it, they can sell it, uh, they uh, can share it with other governmental authorities, uh, they can market it to offer you products or services that may be of interest to you. Uh, they, I mean, the list goes on, and to add insult to injury it says that they can change their privacy policy whenever they want. So th- that's, like, funky.
11: Um. You know, we haven't uh, looked at their privacy uh, policy in detail into those areas. We've really just focused on the location management, which is really, oh, down. sorry. Um, we've really just focused on the location management piece of their privacy policy. Um, so, you know, we can, you know, after this meeting, definitely spend some time looking at the no, other I aspects. No, I understand that you, you would didn't... focus on that. Yeah. But
0: what they are focusing on is the fact that, I mean, I want to go play some tennis. I want to reserve a tennis court. Uh, it's a rec park tennis court. In order to do that, some third party is getting my friends list from the app. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, now I now at least we know now the public <laughs> knows, and I appreciate the candor of attaching, you know, their terms of service. But if we created our own app, uh, you would still need the the GPS data to make sure that the person actually showed up for their reservation, so that you know if they don't, then you can try to get somebody else to use the court. I get all that, mm-hmm. but what's really unacceptable is that for me as a consumer trying to use a public tennis court, I'm sharing all of this personal information that can be sold far and wide all across the country by Google, uh, no, that's not cool.
11: Uh, I appreciate your comments, I th- I've got Bev, is there a policy director?
2: Ms. Ng, good morning. Good morning. I never leave. Uh, Good morning, Supervisor Peskin, Supervisor Chan. Happy birthday, Supervisor Mandelman. So these are all great recommendations that we will continue to work with COID on and happy to work with um, Spottery to fix some of the privacy issues. I know those are its concerns, but I do want to also reiterate even though there is an app folks can actually just go into the computer and use it and don't have to necessarily sign into that app format. And we also have options for folks to call in and we also have options for folks to walk in to play tennis because tennis and pickleball, as some of you might have heard, has become such a wide sport and that's the reason why we've approached um, this format, to kind of provide less tension between players and having more opportunities for folks. We'll continue to work and we'll come back. It sounds like if there's other things, we're happy to take that into consideration.
0: Thank you. Um, Well, we'll discuss this a little bit more, but I'm not inclined to approve this one. Um, Why don't we move on to MTA? Uh, taxi dashboard camera. Um, I, at risk of sounding nerdier nerdier than I already sound, I just want to say that this was a really cool impact report. Um, Just, I mean, for anybody who's listening, check this thing out. Um, The discussion of dignity loss, discrimination, economic loss, loss of autonomy, loss of liberty, uh, really good work. Um, Totally justifies it. the use of it, which is actually really done by the taxi companies, but you have access to. um, I have no questions. I just want to give you a compliment. Um, On the Automated license plate readers. Uh, is that yours too, Mr. but oh, Ah, Mr. McCormick.
8: It'll depend upon which section you're in because there's um, multiple people for that.
0: Well, good question. I also good report. Um, External data sharing, page 6. The department may share ALPR data uh, with the following recipients, external to the city and county, city-owned parking garage operators under contract, vendors under contract. I just wanted to be clear that that was only. I just, that's it.
8: That's our plan, absolutely.
0: And practice, current practice? All right, so... That answers that question. That is an only. And then uh, under authorized uses. So what I I think what I learned from this policy is that, um, and I kind of knew this, but I didn't really. It never formed as a full thought in my mind. You stopped chalking tires, say, in residential parking areas, and now it's all license plate readers. Is that true?
8: We're moving in that direction. It's not completely there yet, but we're prepared in case there should be a court ruling that would prohibit us from being able to use chalk because of the Sixth Circuit Court decision. That would would prohibit
0: you you from using chalk?
8: Yeah. We won't get into the details on that now, but
0: Sixth Circuit doesn't apply to California. It doesn't apply
8: to California, but there's pressure in (laughs) the Ninth Circuit area as well. Um,
0: Well, uh, Uh, That's probably more than I want to know, but um, uh, so if you're using these in residential parking areas to figure out whether people are past the time limit, two hours or whatever it is, and insofar as a lot of people park parallel, how do you get to see the license plates?
8: So uh, we're actually able to read the plates at an angle as well. So the cameras are set up at an angle, so when the people are backed in or or they're parked in, uh, we can read the plates. One of the benefits of California requiring two license plates is that we have a plate on the front and the rear of the vehicle, so when the vehicle's at some angle, we're able to read the plate.
0: And the ALPR reader is affixed to one of the Cushman carts?
8: Yeah, we have a, we have a lot of them right now. We're not fully outfitted with all the vehicles, but and we will never need to have all the vehicles, but. That's uh, we're continuing to put those on those vehicles. They're on our vans and they're on their uh, Cushmans.
0: Any questions for the MTA? Thank you for that. Supervisor Chan.
3: Thank you. My apologies. Um, I haven't been able to read this through, but what is the retention rate for this uh, license plates?
8: So, so for the data, the data that doesn't result in a violation, mm-hmm. um, the retention rate is 14 days, partially for the reason that if we're not chalking vehicles for the 72 hour regulation, we're now, you know, as our policy, we're now allowing five days. So we need to have, with the long weekends and stuff like that, that might play into it. We, we set it for 14 days. Um, and then if there is a violation that is issued or a citation that's issued with it, then the retention will be um, one year or the life of the citation, depending. A parking citation has a life, a maximum life of five years, so
3: sorry uh, if it results in a violation is one year and
8: it's one year mm-hmm. even though the life of a citation is five years people would not be re- contesting it so somebody might come back to want to contest a citation eight or nine months later for whatever reason they waited that long and there was a reason for us to want to be able to review and see if their vehicle was actually at the location
3: and it's, it may be a strange question because I'm trying to imagine the, the uh, license plates because I, I, I don't understand the technology, so so help educate me. So it, does that mean that you just, like, scan the license plates and it's really just the license plates? Or is it sort of like a, a, a photo that also record the um, model and the maker of the car and then along with the license plates with it? How does that work?
8: It's it's a little bit of a combination. So the camera's taking a focus on the rear of the vehicle, is actually looking for the square,
10: mm-hmm.
8: right? When it locates the square, it's taking that picture. Part of that picture could also include the logo on the back of the vehicle saying it was a Mercedes or BMW and, and that kind of information. It also will oftentimes pick up the color of the vehicle. Um, just because, hey, the license plate's wrapped, around, you know, your license plate's on the back of the car or the front of the car, right? Your, your car is painted the same color all the way around. It generally picks up enough of that that you could make that out, but the license plates are aggregated into text files to, to be able to match them for future reference when we come back the second time.
3: And will the person that actually got ticketed um, or, you know, found in violation uh, also be notified or recognized that this is actually based on a license plates reader, therefore you're, and that, you know, we, we identify you in violation?
8: Yeah, so there's a, there's a note that goes on the parking citation. The citation's not actually li- issued from, the LPR system is still issued from our regular handhelds, okay. so we actually had a comment that it was uh, LPR based, so people will know.
3: That it would be uh, listed as what?
8: LPR, instead of ALPR, we just shortened it to LPR, there's only so many characters, so. Yeah. It just gives us the license plate recognition. Uh, so when, if they go to a hearing, the hearing officer, you know, can, can request, you know, to be able to make the those image. photos available and, and, and look for, whether or not there's a consistency or an issue. Great, thank you. You're welcome. That takes
0: us, thank you, Ms. McCormick. Thank you very much. Uh, And SFMTA, that takes us to the War Memorial, which I don't have any questions on, unless, colleagues, you do. All right, thank you all for spending your morning with us. Uh, Why don't we open this item number three up to public comment? Are there any members of the public? There were so many members for our last policy. Let's see how many members there are for this policies,
1: plural. Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up to speak at this time by the window. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2490 then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted. And that will be your cue to begin your comment. I do not see any members of the public in the room, and we have two callers with one in line to speak. First speaker, please.
4: Great. Once again, David Pilpel. So I support this uh, ordinance. I understand that this will likely be uh, continued with uh, changes. I appreciate the diligence of the chair in reviewing the detailed SIRs and FTPs uh, here. uh, And I very much appreciate the work of Jillian Johnson, Julia Crucial, and various department heads and staff. Throughout, this is complicated stuff, and people have spent a lot of time trying to get it right. Um, I would also encourage members of the public to visit sfcoit.org, which redirects to the right uh, website now, and to attend COIT and PSAB meetings to learn more and contribute to development and review of these policies. And thank you all very much. Also a reminder to boards and commissions to forward approved rules to the Board of Supervisors under Charter Section 4.104 which provides Uh, in a relevant part that boards and commissions adopt rules and regulations consistent with the charter and all such rules and regulations shall be filed with the Clerk of the Board of Supervisors. And it is not specific to just rules of order, but also rules, for example, at the airport that govern uh, tenants and their uh, responsibilities. And finally, in as much as there are some new record types that are created by um, these policies and practices, I would encourage departments to review and update their record retention uh, policies and schedules because there may be things that now have uh, new record types and retention periods, whether it's uh, one year or two years or at different amounts uh, that are not reflected in their current detailed record retention policies and schedules. Thank you again for listening.
1: Thank you. Uh, There are no additional callers on the phone. All right, public comment
0: is closed. You would think we would have heard from the American Civil Liberties Union and the Electronic Frontier Foundation as we were dealing with law enforcement, uh, but I guess they only care about police um, and not uh, other law enforcement. Okay, so that is what it is. Um, there are a couple of different ways, sorry for that gratuitous. I got, don't worry, counselor, I'm way ahead of you. Um, there are a couple of different ways we can deal with this. We can duplicate the file and send the portions forward that we're good with and keep the remaining portions here, and they may all just end up at the same place at the same time, namely the full board of supervisors on the 18th. Is that acceptable, colleagues? Get most of it out of here? All right. So I will duplicate, well first, I will amend the original file by removing a policy that we actually dealt with that I just referred to, and that is the police department's third party security camera Uh, policy that we disposed of and to that end in the long title and not referenced in the actual body of the ordinance uh, at line 9 on page 1 we should remove the words police department and on that amendment a roll call please
1: Yes, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Madelman. Aye. Madelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. That motion passes.
0: All right. Now, what I would like to do is, let's see, how do we do this? Um, Duplicate the file. And in the original file, uh, we'll just go through this. Keep Automatic license plate readers at line two, biometric for juvenile probation at line or yeah line four whatever uh, line at line four and five, uh, remove at line six for body worn cameras and recreation and park department because we're going to keep that one here. Uh, keep people counting camera by the library. Remove security cameras by the Department of Elections at line 7. Um, at line eight, third party security cameras by the remove airport. Keep MTA. We already removed police department. Keep War Memorial. Uh... Location management systems by the juvenile probation department, yes, but strike and the recreation and park department, and keep computer management system by the library and social media monitoring software by the library. Did that make sense to you, Mr. Young? You I know? will probably um, need to. Let's do it. Let's do it together. At <laughs> uh, we've already struck. Uh, uh, yeah.
1: Before we go yes, to that part, we are duplicating the file.
0: We are dupli- We duplicated the file before I changed anything.
1: Okay. And the duplicated version is what we're amending right at this point?
0: The original file is what okay. we're amending we at this point. Amending the original. In the original, we have removed uh, at line number... Six, no, page one, long title, and Recreation and Park Department. At line seven, we are removing all of clause number five. Security cameras by the Department of Elections is removed. Number six is renumbered as number five on line eight, so it reads five parenthesis, third-party security cameras by remove airport. So it now reads five, third-party security cameras by the Municipal Transportation Agency and War Memorial. Read number seven as six, location management systems by the Juvenile Probation Department and remove the words and the Recreation and Park Department. Read number 8 to 7, Computer Management System by the Library. Read number 9 to 8 on line 11 and have it read as it is, Social Media Monitoring Software by the Library and Making Required Findings in Support of Said Approvals. On those Amendments, which, counselor, I don't believe are reflected in the body, or maybe they are. Let's go to the body of the item and see. Well, I guess technically, insofar as we have removed all of item five security cameras by the Department of Elections, we could remove at line 24 on page two that reference to five security cameras, or we could keep it. Your call, Counselor. Uh in which case, if we did remove it, we'd have to read number 6 to 5, 7 to 6, and 8 to 7. I guess that would probably be the right thing to do. Any advice on that?
8: Uh, this is on? Yeah. Uh, Deputy City Attorney Pradhan. Um I would suggest we just work out work this out separately. I think I understand from the title how you went through it, the changes you want to make. Basically,
0: Um, what I want to do is forward all of the policies with recommendation minus the tennis reservation spottery policy, (coughs) the uh, airport's tenant security policy, the Department of Elections Security camera policy and the Rec and Park body worn camera policy. I want those all to reappear here on Monday the 10th. And the duplicated file? In the duplicated file. And right. what I was going to do was then make the corresponding changes to the duplicated file by removing everything that we're moving forward so the duplicated file only has the policies i just spoke to that's what i was trying to do
8: right i think that's clear Uh, i think we'd want to go through it and make sure we've done it accurately based on what you've described okay
0: so as to the first file council understands the amendments my colleagues understand the amendments and we will adopt those amendments which i'd like to say without objection am i allowed to say that anymore or did the pandemic ruined my ability to say that.
1: Uh, we prefer that we actually take. A, I thought
0: a, you'd say that a roll call, please.
1: OK, a roll call on the motion regarding the original the,
0: file on the original file. To amend it, to take out the five policies that we are going to hear next week.
1: Yes. On that motion, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without and objection.
0: Thank you, Mr. Young. And then I will make a motion to send that file to the full board with a positive recommendation.
1: Okay, on the motion to send that one, uh, the amended file to the board with uh recommendation. Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection. All right, and then I will make the mirror
0: corresponding amendments to the duplicated file, which is to remove item number one, the automatic license plate readers, item number two, the biometric software for JPD, uh, to include as item number one the body-worn cameras Uh, by the Recreation and Parks Department. Item uh, number two, the security cameras by the Department of Elections. Item number three, the location management system by the Recreation and Parks Department and remove everything else. On that Amendment, a, oh, I'm sorry. Did you mention airport? I, excuse me, you are absolutely right. We will, security cameras by the airport will remain in the duplicated file. Thank you, Supervisor Chan. Good catch. Uh, on that amendment, a roll call, please, to be massaged by Deputy City Attorney Pradhan.
1: Yes, on the motion to amend the duplicated file, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Manelman. Aye. I, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Motion passes without objection.
0: And then I will make a motion to continue the
1: duplicated
0: file to the Rules Committee meeting of October 10th, and then I'll spend the week having made work for myself working with the various departments on this stuff.
1: Uh, one moment while I check that date. i believe october 10th might be a holiday oh by
0: gosh it is october 17th it will be you're right indigenous people's day
1: yes on the motion to continue the matter as amended to october the 17th uh, supervisor chan aye. chan aye vice chair Mandelman. Aye. Manelman, aye chair peskin aye as can I, The motion passes without objection.
0: Thank you, Ms. Johnson, for your and your staff's work, and we are adjourned.